you cannot designate yourself a mentor. It's a two-way relationship that needs to exist. Digital Colour, the unique space we were in, was in a position to fundamentally shift these multi-billion dollar industries and move them online. We then sort of had this moment where we said, we have to do this. You know, it's almost like giving birth to a second company, and that is a traumatic experience. This is Level Up, a podcast produced by LaunchVic, where you'll hear from leading Victorian entrepreneurs and their mentors with the goal of sharing their stories and encouraging you to consider the impact a mentor could have on your personal growth. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and in this podcast, you'll hear from some of the most successful startups in the country and the mentors who've helped them avoid stagnation, scale their businesses, and in today's case, grow through discomfort. We sat down on one Monday morning and I said, I've been doing a whole bunch of these things and I could keep doing them, but I'm not. I'm not going to do them. You need to sort this out and you need to you know, get on top of it. That's the voice of Adam Lewis. You just heard him talking there about a moment when he applied significant pressure to his mentee, DJ Dickich. Now, on today's episode, you'll hear about DJ and Adam and how mentoring can't always be comfortable. The idea of pressure and discomfort is really quite central to Adam's mentoring style. And as you'll hear, DJ's reaction to being confronted like this is really quite striking. And I can't wait to tell you all about it. But we're going to come back to this story really soon because first, we need to know, who is DJ? Hi, my name is DJ and I'm the CEO and co-founder at Palette and Tint. So, Palette and Tint... They're both really exciting paint startups in Victoria. Now, you might be thinking, paint, how is that exciting? Well, stay tuned because paint, as it turns out, is an entrepreneur's dream. The core problem we were solving with palette was colour is a really important component of lots of massive industries from paint to cosmetics to textile manufacturing. And the way it was specified and communicated was via little paper chips or, you know, some kind of physical reference point. So if you wanted a certain color, you'd tell your mate down the road and say, this is the color I want. And you'd have to make sure you had the same book or the same paper reference to communicate that effectively. With everything moving online, it seemed almost archaic that color wasn't digital. So it seemed like an obvious thing for us to do is actually, how do we make that color something that's digital? How can you share it? How can you use it in a digital format? So as a trained engineer, DJ invents a really innovative product which can scan colours in the real world and convert them into an accurate representation in a computer. They call this portable colour digitizer Cube, and it's a world first. It's really quite exciting because DJ is beginning to lay the groundwork to overhaul the centuries-old industry of paint an industry worth billions of dollars. But before all of that, I want to explain how DJ's mentor, Adam, enters the picture. Uh, My name's Adam Lewis, and I spent 20 years at uh, McKinsey & Company. So I started out as an electronics engineer. Then I did my MBA uh, and joined McKinsey um, from business school, and I spent 20 years at uh, McKinsey & Company where I... I worked all around the world. I served some fantastic clients. I became the managing director of uh, McKinsey in Australia and New Zealand in around 2001. So Adam's telling us about his career at McKinsey & Company, one of the biggest and most successful management consulting firms out there. 
Now, during Adam's career, he's constantly being exposed to some really intelligent people and exciting business opportunities. And he begins to make some investments in these startups. But Adam found it difficult to find the time to engage with these investments. Uh, And until I left McKinsey, and I, I left in 2010. So after leaving McKinsey, Adam's main focus became these investments. And that's where he and DJ cross paths. The first point of contact we had with Adam was through the Melbourne Accelerator Program run by Melbourne University. He was wearing a brown pinstripe suit and I thought either either he's a complete wacko or he really knows his stuff. <laughs> so despite that interesting suit choice, DJ was struck by Adam's expertise almost immediately. So luckily for us, it turns out he really knows his stuff. <laughs> Whip smart, so ability to understand our business model in the space of approximately 30 to 60 seconds, run through the numbers of how that could scale and then come to a conclusion about what the next steps and what steps five years out should more or less look like all in the space of the first you know, two or three minutes of the conversation. I must admit, I don't recall you know, summing up DJ's ambitions and business in three minutes, but the technology that they had intrigued me and DJ in particular had intrigued me. And I thought there might be something in this. I think it was pretty clear to everybody that the business needed to raise a bit of capital. And so I agreed without any commitment, actually on my part or their part, to help them raise the capital. So Adam decides to help them raise some funds. And during this process of fundraising, investors often wanted to know what kind of governance was in place for the business and how experienced the board of directors were. In response to this, Adam comes onto the board as the chairman, which DJ jokingly describes as giving the business some grey hair. And from this point... Adam and DJ begin working together a lot more closely. Earlier on, I spoke about how Adam has an unconventional approach to mentoring. And really, this approach is not for everyone. I asked Adam to explain how this approach came about. My view of mentorship as a topic was very informed by my experience at McKinsey, where we thought a lot about how senior people could mentor younger people. One of the key things was that you cannot designate yourself a mentor. It's a two-way relationship that needs to exist because the mentee needs to want to grow and needs to want to be mentored. And the mentor needs to be able to help that person grow. In DJ's case, this transition from engineer focused on the technical stuff to building devices to to leading a company to building himself a vision to transform an industry, that's a very big journey. There was no way that DJ was ever going to come close to accomplishing that without pushing himself into uncomfortable situations. Uncomfortable situations. This idea of growth through discomfort is really a central idea to Adam's mentoring style. You know, there were a number of pivotal moments, I think, through the, through the time with Pallet and with DJ around pulling DJ into a situation and sort of going, OK, now you've got to deal with that because there's an issue here you need to resolve. And I could resolve it for you, but that's not the point. So you can see that this concept of growth through discomfort is really quite important to Adam. And I think that this is informed by his time at McKinsey, which is famous for its up or out culture, where employees are expected to demonstrate growth or leave the company. Now, this policy is a little bit controversial, but it is quite practical. As the logic goes, 
There are many companies out there which often allow employees to coast through their entire careers, even if they're consistent underperformers. But under the up or out method, if you can't deliver results or demonstrate that you're growing personally and professionally, you'll be asked to leave. A pretty brutal policy and one that, just like Adam's mentoring style, is not for everyone. So I wanted to understand this a little bit more by exploring an interesting situation that Adam pulled DJ into. And, and a really good example uh, quite recently was um, uh, DJ and his wife, Alex, have had a, had a baby that's now three months old. And like every brand new dad, DJ and Alex, of course, couldn't understand how the world could carry on when they'd had this child. It was such an amazing thing. And DJ was very absorbed in, in this process, as all of us as brand new dads do. Uh, and I found myself getting in and doing more and more at Pallet. And I realised DJ was was underwater, completely underwater with all of the complex things he had going on at home, but also the complexity of, of creating this vision. The to-do list was growing and growing. And, and I sort of had to step back and say, if I keep doing this, I'm enabling you to be inefficient. And I'm enabling you to, to not be focused on the highest priority thing. So we sat down on one Monday morning and I said, I've been doing a whole bunch of these things and I could keep doing them, but I'm not. I'm not going to do them. You need to sort this out and you need to, you know, get on top of it. Now, I want you to put yourself in DJ's shoes here. You've just had your first baby. Everything is new. You're in a constant mix of excitement and terror and exhaustion and you're doing everything you can to keep all of the plates spinning around you. And you're probably more busy right now than you've ever been in your entire life. And then you come into work and someone you really respect tells you that they are about to withdraw their support for you and you've now got to work even harder than what you thought was possible. How do you think you'd respond to that? Get angry? Get upset? Flip out? Let's hear how DJ responded. Is it strange to say, well, great. I mean, that's a, a really clear kind of kick up the ass to say, you've got to take this on board. You've got to figure this stuff out. I think I felt very thankful because what it does is it clears away all the stuff that you build up around you to justify why you haven't been able to get on top of things and, you know, the building up of to-do lists and uh, the, the lack of focus for yourself or your, your business or whatever it might be. And it strips it down to simply, you are responsible. You need to figure this out. To be honest, that's exactly how it felt. Great. Thank you so much for making it easy to to take all that stuff out that you naturally build up over time to protect your ego, whatever it might be. Um, thank you for calling it out. And now I have a really clear mandate, so to speak, to sort this out and figure it out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I would have responded that way. And this really gets to the heart of why DJ and Adam's relationship is so successful. DJ and Adam don't mind being in these really uncomfortable situations. And in fact, DJ actually told me that he performs best when he's under pressure. So in the situation that we just heard, there's a clear dynamic at play. In the example, DJ is really busy with other things. And in response, Adam turns up the heat. And DJ somehow manages to refocus his attention and address the problem. Now, I want to tell you about another example where Adam has applied some pressure on DJ. And this time, instead of fixing a short-term productivity problem, Adam wanted the Pallet team to reinvent the entire business. This is no mean feat. 
So Adam's insights around the transformative potential for digital color to open up e-commerce in paint initially led us down the path of exploring partnerships with existing paint manufacturers and a supplier to existing manufacturers. So we thought the best strategy for us really was to say, customer A, you already purchase our device, maybe you'd be interested in enabling paint sales through the applications that you already have in the market. Over the years, we've explored that to some degree and and kept hearing the same story back, which was that it was more challenging for the paint brands to think through online and enabling an online channel than just simply opening up a buy button in the app. So we're young and we've got lots of things on our plate that we'd like to get done. And this is getting a bit frustrating. So... Palette started their journey by partnering with existing paint manufacturers by helping them digitise colour. And these partnerships were really useful to a young fledgling startup. But as Palette grew, they slowly became frustrated by the inability of these partners to innovate. Palette wanted to develop a way to sell paint online. But to do that, they realised they'd have to do it themselves. But why? Why would DJ and the team want to move from digitising colour to manufacturing paint? Well, it turns out there's a big financial opportunity. I remember sitting, having a coffee with DJ and I pulled out my notebook and I said to DJ, I said, how many devices do you think we're going to sell to this company in the next five years? You know, he estimated a number. I said, okay, what's our profit margin on those devices? And so we sort of wrote down, this is probably the amount of net margin that we'll make out of selling devices over the next five years. And, and I said, how many cans of paint do you think we need to sell in order to make that margin? It was a fraction. It was tiny. We then sort of had this moment where we said, we have to do this. This technology can transform an industry and make people's lives better. And no one else was going to do it if we didn't do it ourselves. So the idea that DJ and Adam are talking about here is to use Palette's technology, which allows people to use augmented reality to see what colours look like on their own walls, and enable customers to purchase that exact colour online. Now, while this sounds like a complete no-brainer, the paint industry, which is completely entrenched in its current way of doing things, wasn't into this idea. But DJ and Adam could tell, this is what their customers wanted. So when Palette started, they were a technology company that digitised colour. But this change that they're talking about is huge. And to be clear, this is a billion dollar opportunity. They have the chance to revolutionise the paint industry. But this is not an easy change to make. They're transitioning into a whole new world of paint manufacturing. That's an entirely different business and not a simple transition. They've got to think about supplies, logistics, e-commerce, sales, support, a whole list of things. And throughout this process, DJ and Adam refer to the experience as being traumatic. I wanted to understand what that was like. The traumatic process was about how do you go let go of existing relationships? And um, and whether, you know, it's always like leaving your ex-partner and, and you got a new hot thing. And that's a, <laughs> depending on your character, can be a hard thing to get your head around. And for us, it was, a, it was a question of what does that actually look like? You know, it's almost like giving birth to a second company. And that is a traumatic experience. As we look back on it, it sounds like we made this instantaneous decision over a cup of coffee that we would pivot the business in this way. It wasn't like that. It, it was probably about six months. So you can see here that Adam and DJ saw this opportunity and they tried to make it work through their original channels. But it just wasn't working. 
So they decided to solve their problem themselves and start a new company called Tint. But along the way, they found themselves with problem after problem. And through all this, the one constant was that Adam kept pulling DJ towards the discomfort because he knew it was the only way for them to grow. In previous conversations, we've discussed the financial component of each mentoring relationship, as it's a very common question that comes up when people ask about mentoring. For DJ and Adam, what's unique here is that Adam is actually an investor in the company, as well as being a board member. So he has a combination of equity in the company, and he also gets paid as a board member. So this means that Adam and DJ both have a real interest in the business being as successful as possible. And interestingly, when I spoke to DJ, he mentioned that he believes Adam doesn't get anywhere near enough when DJ considers the impact that Adam has on the business. In every episode of this podcast, we like to hit on the human elements of mentoring, and we like to ask if there's anything the participants would like to say to each other that they've never said before. Certainly, I think I haven't articulated the thankfulness about being put into uncomfortable positions. So perhaps I haven't had the chance in the past to say thank you for putting me in those positions and to really, you know, drive my personal growth and for the business's sake, you know, it's a good opportunity to say thank you, Adam, for pushing us into those positions and trusting that we could figure it out. I've got a couple of things. One is that when DJ and I get together, we we focus on solving problems. We're pretty good at identifying where the problems are going to be and and solving them. And as the, the great ice hockey player Wayne Gretzky once said, it's not about knowing where the puck is, it's knowing where the puck's going to be that is the key. And so we do a lot of that. What that doesn't leave a lot of time for is reflection on how far DJ has come. And I think that when you look back on that and and by coming this far and realising the amount of capacity that he's got for further growth and development, I think it's been a tremendous journey. So I do actually want to congratulate him on that and you know say that there's plenty more in the tank to come. But mentoring isn't all one way. In fact, Adam went on to tell DJ about some of the lessons he's learned from him. And the other thing is, which we haven't talked about, actually, is what I learned from DJ, because I, I think this is a this is definitely a two-way street. So DJ has got a great eye for design. He's got a, a great eye for detail and a great understanding of how consumers are going to psychologically interact with things, which I've got to say, it's pretty surprising for an engineer. <laughs> As an engineer myself, I kind of go, nah, yeah, I don't care about that stuff. You know, whatever. Um, but I learn a lot about that from DJ. DJ, how do you feel hearing that? Yeah, feels nice. <laughs> and, uh, and, and hopefully you've learnt some suiting, you know, sartorial advice as well. No. <laughs> my trousers still touch my shoes, DJ. That's never going to change. Adam, you refuse to take uh, fashion advice from young DJ? Yeah, with the baseball cap and the bright orange top on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you reflect on the relationship that DJ and Adam have, you find an interesting dynamic. Adam isn't afraid to risk it all and throw DJ into an uncomfortable situation to help him and the business level up. And that methodology is what made DJ grow personally and professionally, as well as helping Tint, their new paint manufacturing arm, get off the ground. And the interesting thing is that Tint is now one year old and is changing the game in the paint industry. So as DJ and I reflect on this, and he actually sent me an email last week saying, oh my God, why didn't we do this years ago? <laughs> no. 
You've been listening to Level Up, a show about the personal and professional growth of some great Australian entrepreneurs and startups and the mentors who've helped them along the way. Level Up is produced by LaunchVic. LaunchVic exists to support the growth of the Victorian startup ecosystem. If you're interested in mentoring or you'd like to learn more about LaunchVic, visit the website at launchvic.org. Production assistance on Level Up is provided by Wavelength Creative. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'll speak to you next time. Thank you.